Thank you so much for tuning in to Careerview Mirror. I'm your host, Joelle Crawford, and today's very special guest is Minda Hartz. She's a career development speaker, author, and consultant. She's the author of the best-selling book, The Memo, and two upcoming books coming soon to a bookstore near you. And she's also the host of the Secure the Seat podcast. Welcome, Minda. Joyelle, so good to be here. Thank you again for inviting me. Oh, fantastic. I'm so happy to have you here. I mean, how would you specifically describe your career? Like, what exactly do you do? It's taken me a while to figure out uh, what, what that is, because I do wear quite a bit of hats. But at the core of it, I would say I am an equity advocate, because I want to make sure that I leave the workplace better than I found it for women who look like you and me. <laughs> And that sounds like a great title, Equity Advocate. I think everyone should have like a shirt on that says that, Equity Advocate. <laughs> you don't need a title. You don't need a promotion for it. You don't need an advance. You can be it right now. <laughs> right now, day one. So can you share how you started? Like, how did you get mobilized or like what lit the fire for you to be an equity advocate? It's so wild because I never saw myself as any kind of advocate. <laughs> I never saw myself as any type of activist in that sense, because I think growing up, we view at activists in a different type of lens, right? Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize that you could also, yes, and, right? And I started my journey uh, toward advocacy first out of a pain point that I had in the workplace. And that was, you know, experiencing racialized aggression, if you will, being the only one in very, you know, dominant majority spaces that weren't black or brown. And I started to somewhat lose myself, even though I had the money, I had the title, but I started to shrink many aspects of what it meant to be a black woman in the workplace. And mm -hmm. I realized that I'm actually not helping myself in this way. I'm not advocating for myself in the way that I need to, but also I'm, how am I making it better for the next black woman that comes into the room, right? If I don't say anything, if I don't do anything, if I don't lean into my courage, mm -hmm. then nobody benefits by me being cautious, you know? And I started just to think about what is my workplace legacy? Is it that I mm -hmm. you know, was able to travel with my friends to, you know, Cancun and I lived in a nice place and, you know, and I made this nice income or was it gonna be that actually, you yeah. actually made it more bearable? Uh, more people could actually thrive in the workplace and not just survive, that intersectionality is important in every space we occupy. And it really, I began to be so uncomfortable with the status quo that I needed to be able to talk about those experiences. And, and oftentimes, even though women in the workplace is one thing, but we often don't include women of color when we, when we say that phrase. And so right. for me, it was 2015 when I really started to interrogate and investigate what the workplace really meant to be me and to be others um, you know women of color and, and as you start to go down any path you open up Pandora's box and you're like oh can't can't go back in the in the you can't put Jeannie back in the bottle nope. <laughs> nope. <It's> out. <laughs> I mean what was that synthesize I mean I read the memo and I, I actually had to stop a couple times and I don't know if other readers have because it touched on some post-traumatic stress that I experienced. And we are two different generations, just for anyone who's listening or watching. Um, I am not a millennial, I am a generation Xer. And so, um, but I, 
I found that a lot of things that you were dealing with, what, what got you so mobilized in what, how you were being treated that just got your voice to come out and, 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 and kind of like scream from the rooftops to, to, to try to make a difference in the workplace? Yeah, well, you use the word voice. And for so long, I, I spent 15 years in my former life and I thought that I didn't have a voice. Mm. I thought, oh, I didn't have a voice. Where, where is my voice? And what I realized was I always had a voice. I just had to decide how I wanted to use it. Yes. Right? And, and it was really at a, a dark period in, in my career where it was toward the end of my career. And um, I was experiencing just early in the career, so mid-career, I was experiencing subtle uh, microaggressions and it, what I thought was subtle at the time, right? And then uh, later in my career, I started in. I moved into a different um, work environment, and it became more blatant. And in those type of situations, um, it just got unbearable. Where it started to affect my mental health, my anxiety, um, a depression. A, a lot mm -hmm. of things were happening inside the workplace, and I thought, wow, if I'm experiencing this how many other people might be experiencing this too, right? And, right? and a lot of us don't feel like we can do anything about it. This is just how it's going to be for right. us, right? This is just normal. Um, but I didn't want to normalize racism in the workplace. Oh, Joya. not anymore. <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> I didn't want to normalize it. And it was really this pivotal moment that I'll never forget. Um, I was pretty much had to have this very courageous conversation with senior leadership and they pretty much, acknowledge that these things were going on, but that I just need to suck it up, you know, and deal with it that, you know, that this is just the environment. So I need to decide if this is the environment I want to be in. And as I left that office, I didn't quit that day. But when I left that office, I remember walking back to my car and I got into the car, it was the end of the day. And I just broke out into this deep, heavy cry, because I just was so frustrated. I just seen like, everything I worked so hard for to just in that moment, nobody humanized my experience as the only one, right? right. And, and I just, I felt like my grandmother, she probably cried similar tears on her yes. job, right? Now I'm crying these tears. And I thought, I don't know what it looks like. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'll be darned if I don't do anything because I don't want the next generation to have to cry these same tears for people who don't see you and don't care about your experience in the workplace. And it took some time to figure out what that looked like, but I knew I needed to do something. Mm. You know what? It's so funny because when you said you cried, the first thing that came to my mind was these are her ancestors' tears. And then you mentioned your grandmother, and I and I and it's just it's the that that deep, soulful, almost centuries old cry that I think all of us, well, at least I I have had as well, which is that moment, that rock bottom moment that something needed to happen that catalyzed you to take some action and to raise your voice. Absolutely. And, um, and I think that the book, if you have not read the book, please, please buy this book, the memo. It is, it's amazing. And it's not just for helping women of color secure their seat at the table, but also, you know, helping allies understand what their role is in, in helping women of color secure their seat. So, I mean, what are some tips, you know, because I, I, of course, am a fan of yours. I've fangirled you and I professionally stalked you for years, but are there any tips for anyone who wants to pursue this particular career path that you have in being um, uh, an equity advocate of sorts? 
Yeah, well, you know, mutual admiration and respect, Joelle. Uh, for, for me, really, I think we all should be equity advocates, right? You know, I often talk about, I'll speak at different companies and they'll say, well, you know, I'm a diversity, equity, inclusion officer. And I always say, you know what, it's not just this person's job to make the workplace equitable. Right. Everybody should be tasked with, with being an equity advocate um, mm -hmm. on some level. And so I think that really we have to look at the workplace and say, okay, I can't change everybody's bad behavior in the workplace, but what can I do on my team, right? What can I do right. with the language that I'm using? Um, you know, am I going to the employee resource groups of people who don't look like me, right? Am I showing up in these different ways? And I think that when we look and say to ourselves, what does good look like and how can I be part of it, yeah. right? Um, and I think in 2020, we saw what good didn't look like in many right. cases, right? Right. <laughs> and, right? And say, how can I be part of that? Not just in words, but in action. And I think that if we all look at our job description as making the workplace better for everybody, then um, you can do that today. You know, that's that's something you don't have to wait on uh, senior leadership to give you a title. Right. <laughs> don't wait for the promotion. Make no. it happen. You can be the DEI expert starting today. today. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, did you have to get any, you know, I know that you, you worked in corporate just like I did, and then you spun out and started your own business. Did you have to get any certifications or anything of that nature to, to do what you're doing? I'm so glad you asked this question because I don't often get to talk about it, but I think because around 2015, when I started this work and early, people just assumed I was a career coach <laughs> right? because yeah. I'm doing these things, but I actually am not a career coach. And I, I try to tell people that every, every chance I get, I have a lived experience <laughs> and I just use what tools I had to say, here, think of it this way. How can you maybe use that, right? So I consider myself, again, an advocate. I'm advocating for you to be your best self in the workplace, mm -hmm. to show up as who you need to be in the workplace. And here are some things that I've done that worked that didn't work. And so for me, I am an unofficial coach, right? I'm on the sideline rooting for, for you, um, you know, in the workplace, but I did not um, get any formal coaching or certifications. And, you know, maybe in the future, I will, but uh, I, I think there's people like yourself and so many others that are doing such a great job that um, I, I'm just going to stay in my lane for now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will have to tell you, sis, um, you are in the lane, whether you want to or not, your lived experience and your advice, um, I think definitely certifies you as a, as a career coach. So grandfather me, in, yes. grandfather me in. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We grandfather you in. I mean, I think your, you, your life certified you, you know, what, what you, your lived experiences definitely put you in the realm of an expert who, you know, people can look to for advice on how to thrive and grow in the workplace. You know, um, what's one myth that, you know, you've worked with a whole bunch of different people. You've been on different media outlets. You've written books. What's one myth about working in your field? Because you've, you've had a lot of, of visibility. And um, I know that a lot of times people think it's just like an overnight success. But what is one myth that you'd like to dispel or eliminate um, in your field? Definitely. Uh, you know, so I think to your point, nothing is an overnight success, mm -hmm. right? Um, I used to joke in, in college that uh, I had this like 
really funny shirt that I used to wear and I'd say a local celebrity, right? You know, and, <laughs> and, and it's years and years and years of people getting to know you and feeling comfortable mm-hmm. uh, about, you know, what you, what you're saying in that vulnerable place. And for me, I started, I started my career in, in, in corporate America in 2003, okay. right? And I, became an entrepreneur in 2015. So I had all of this prior experience and then transitioned careers. And now people might say, oh, I see the memo everywhere or I see Minda everywhere. But knowing that now I'm starting to reap some of the seeds that I had sowed so early when no, only the people in my town knew who I was. Right? <laughs> and and I, I think that the one thing that I would say is it's not about being everywhere, but it's impacting the spaces that needs you most, right? And so I don't ever, I kind of cringe when people say that because I don't want to just be everywhere. I want to be adding value to the spaces that I occupy, you know? Mm -hmm. When you think about what you want to do, make sure you're very clear about why you're doing it. What Mm -hmm. is your why, right? Mm -hmm. Because the minute that I stop serving and helping women of color um, advance in the workplace, then that's the minute that I need to go sit down somewhere if I'm not doing that, you know? So I would encourage people to, ask themselves, why do I want this? Right? Because it's so easy. Comparison can be the thief of joy. Oh, and so find your lane and make sure you're impacting and doing what you need to do for, for the people that you're serving. I think that's a great point because a lot of times people think fame and fortune is going to, you know, this, they've made it. Um, but it's really about the basis of why you're doing it and impacting the spaces that you're in. I was having the same conversation with my husband last night and I, you know, I had these goals of wanting to get to Oprah status. I got to get to Oprah status, but is it really about Oprah status or is it Oprah impact? And I thought it's the impact. And so your points are right on point for that. Uh, What are like, okay, so let's, let's go into like a time warp. (laughs) Let's go back to little Minda and and give her some advice. What would be some career or leadership tips that you would give to Minda as she was like, if you could see her, like go back in time and give her some advice? Uh, I always, I keep a, this might sound funny. I'm, I'm giving you all my behind the, behind the, the curtain secrets, but I keep a picture on my desk of little Minda to remind me, you know, um, who, who I need to be for, for me. Right. And I would tell my younger self or anyone for that matter that show up in the spaces and make decisions based on the future you. Right. I think so much of my career and so much of my adult adolescent, I was trying to, uh, I was walking on eggshells. I was trying to be what everybody else wanted me to be, what they needed me to be. But I never took a step back to say, who does Minda need to be for her? Right. Mm -hmm. And so um, once I was able to step into my, my own power and own the, the flaws and all, I was able to live so much more a free life, right? So the other part of that is, um, do I have to fight every battle in the workplace? Right. No, but center yourself in a way that when you get home, hopefully you're not playing those experiences on a reel in your head, right? And yep. if you wanna have those conversations, give yourself permission to let people know what's appropriate in setting boundaries to engage with you, right? Because I think one of my career regrets is that 
um, people saw me as being really, really nice. And so they thought that they could say certain things and they knew that I would never say anything back. And right. it's not about getting somebody told, right? Like our parents would say, I'm going to get you told. It's about boundaries, right? Yes. And letting people know that, hey, maybe you didn't intend to hurt me, but what you said, it did hurt, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I think that I never gave myself permission. So the other leadership tip is that, you know, lean into your courage and push aside your caution because nobody benefits when you're cautious. And I think about all the conversations I could have had that might've made my life a little bit easier. <laughs> it, you know, I really appreciate that advice. I think little Minda appreciates it too. Um, but I think, you know, as you've shared and, and as you speak, you're able to give this advice to other little Mindas as well as the big ones too. Um, and, and I think it is, it's about finding your voice and those boundaries really makes a difference um, in how uh, you're treated and how you're treating yourself. Yes. I think it's, it's a really big cycle, you know, and it starts with you. And, and I really appreciate all of the advice that you've been able to give. I, one, other, one other question that I, that I had in, in the book, it, it, it definitely outlines, the book, the memo, outlines all of the challenges that you've experienced. But are there any other challenges that you've experienced, um, like how to combat that? Like what fills your cup? Like how do you rebound? Because self-care and self-love and compassion are really big pieces of what I like to, to, um, to train and talk about. How did, you, how did you combat some of these things? You know, aside from, you know, a deep breath and a good cry, um, what did you do? How did you do that? Yeah, you know, I, I think, and maybe this sounds kind of on the, on the fringes of thinking, but I think what I've been able to do is realize that just like any other harm in the workplace, racialized trauma is real, right? And I, I think that I was telling myself the story of that that's not the same as all their trauma, right? Uh -huh. And it really impacted for a while how I saw myself, how I treated myself. And I think going back to what you said, Self-love. Self-love is one of the most revolutionary acts we can take, right? Yep. Because we're centering ourselves. And I think for me, it's always reminding myself, what are my love languages, right? Inside and outside the workplace and not waiting on somebody to affirm me, but constantly affirming myself and telling myself a new story about myself. One that I am more than enough, right? I don't, imposter syndrome doesn't have to live here. All, all of these different things. And at the end of it, Joya, reminding myself, and this is how I feel my cup. I, I tell myself that I always have a choice, right? Yeah. I always get to make the decisions that I don't have to feel like my back is against the wall. And I think sometimes in the workplace, we often feel that way, right? Yeah. And, and reminding ourselves that we have options is a source yeah. of freedom. And, um, and to your point, bringing the ancestors back, they were granted their freedom. And so it's up to us to uphold that. <laughs> yes. Yes. And it's a big burden. <laughs> it's a big burden to bear. <laughs> but, you know, I think that they would be proud. I mean, of, of all of the things that you're doing, the, um, the outreach, the internal reach, you know, to, to make sure that, that you are set up for success so that you can help other people, I think is, is so, it's so important. Um, so I really appreciate that. I have a choice. I have a choice. That's a really good mantra to lean back onto to fill your cup and to reset. Yes. So 
any other words of advice that you'd like to share with our listeners and viewers today on Career View Mirror? Uh, well, again, thank you for having me. I, I just thank you for holding space for, for all of us. And <laughs> um, the last thing I would say, I think sometimes when we're getting opportunities or we're securing our seat at the table, whatever those wins are, sometimes we question ourselves if, if this is for us, why are they giving us these opportunities? And again, that self-love is part of reminding yourself that you've worked hard to get to where you are. Why not you, right? Yes. I have this little sticky note on my desk and it says, I am the evidence. So whenever I question what, you know, is this for me? Is it not for me? Can I do it? Am I able? Um, can I take it to the next step? Whatever that is. And mm -hmm. I remind myself, I am the evidence. You, you've moved from this space to this space that you can keep going, that there's so many other people who are the evidence too, right? Look yeah. at those and, and, uh, people and, and gain your, gain your, um, your motivation from that, right? Because we have so many people who are the evidence, even just as Black people as a whole, we are the evidence, right? Yes. And so whenever I get in my head, I'm like, I am the evidence. <laughs> so we, we have to, you know, give ourselves that talk. And so, you know, when you have those opportunities, those blessings, however you view them, those promotions, you know, it's, it's what you do with it that counts. And so, yes. Yes, indeed. I mean, you've earned it. People wouldn't have hired you if they didn't think you could do it, but you've got to believe in yourself. And I love that. I am the evidence. I have a little sticker that says I am enough yes. on my, uh, on my desk as well. So surrounding yourself with positive affirmations and remembering that you are the evidence. Minda Hartz, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, and again, you can find Minda you can find her everywhere, but you can also find her on her website, um, if, uh, and it's www.mindahearts.com. And um, if you liked this episode, please like it. And if you'd like to subscribe, please subscribe. And uh, thank you so much, Minda, for being on the show, and much luck to your continued success of these two. When are the books coming out? When are, when are they, when are they getting done? <laughs> Well, uh, I just turned in uh, my second draft today, this morning, uh, but we will, um, the next book will be out October 2021. So I'll keep you all posted. Thank you again. Excellent. 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 Thanks a lot, everybody, for watching Career View Mirror and be well. Take care. <laughs>